Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a mental health professional, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional on the Still Trippin' podcast. What's up, everybody? This is the Still Trippin' Podcast. I am your host, David. And with me today, we have a repeat offender. This is our second repeat offender on the Still Trippin' Podcast, my man, JP. JP, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, man. Well, before we start cracking and answering some questions, JP, have you ever heard of stance socks? I have. What do you think about stance socks? The most comfortable socks ever. That's right. Well, here on the Still Trippin' Podcast, we always like to remind you to go from busted to bougie. <laughs> Throw your old jacked up socks away with holes in them, the socks that don't even match. You know, everybody's got those socks with the elastic that don't even hold it up at your ankles. Well, hopefully you don't have the socks. But if you do, throw them away. Go to stance.com or locally here in Utah. Go to Fashion Place Mall. Pick up a pair of dope stance socks. They also got great athletic gear. They got athletic socks. They got they got dress socks now. They got, I mean, they got bras, underwear, shirts. T-shirts. I mean, they got it all for you. Stance Socks, Fashion Place Mall, or StanceSocks.com. And here on the Quit Trippin', here on the Still Trippin' Podcast, we give away Stance Socks to stoke you out for just doing cool, simple things. So this week, we got another contest we're going to be doing. Like I said, we are going to be running a contest every single week where we give a couple listeners away Stance Socks. And here's all you got to do for this week's contest. This is called the Why Do Parents contest so all you have to do is hit us up on instagram and in the comment section or in the dm you can just state why do parents dot 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 and ask a question and then we're going to answer it next week on the podcast and today we're actually going to answer some of these um, questions we talked to some local teens here we've got some questions uh to answer for you today Uh, me and jp are gonna give our best crack at this i'm going to speak from a parent's perspective because i talked to a lot of those human beings JP is going to speak from uh, how it affects a teenager, but that's our contest for next week. Send in the DM, send in the comments, why do parents, and then fill in that um, with some questions for us to answer here on the podcast, and you are entered to win a pair of Stance Socks. So without further advertising for Stance Socks, even though they're worth advertising for because they're dope, um, let's get right into it. So JP, as I said, is a repeat offender. If you haven't listened to the episode that JP was on before, he was on an episode uh, with uh, a fine young woman here named Quincy Swap, and I thought it was a great episode. We talked about a lot of different things. Um, both JP and Quincy have something in common. Quincy um, had a horrible experience because um, she lost her, her brother to suicide, and JP uh, lost a very close friend this year. So um, I want to have JP come back on the, the podcast, so thanks for coming again on the podcast with me, of JP. Course. Um, JP is just a fine young man. Um, like a lot of young people out there, he's he's going through his own things in life, trying to figure you know the best path for him. And recently, he and I were chatting it up, and it's a senior year. He's about ready to launch off in the world. But like most people, when they're trying to take off and and uh, do big things, there's always some things that distracts them, irritates them, frustrates them. And so he and I were talking. And I found out not just from JP, but from a lot of young people, one of the people that we tend to either blame or 
flat out these people do get in our way or can distract us, even though they can be very loving and helpful, is our parents. Now, I know as an adult, sometimes I felt that my parents were uh, um, saying things and doing things that kind of threw me off and got me angry and frustrated. And I forgot the task at hand, things I was supposed to focus on. And I know that can easily happen for teenagers. So today we're going to answer some questions about why do parents dot, 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 you know, do certain things. And uh, after we answer these questions, um, I'm believing that you listeners out there going to spark some ideas for you guys. Hopefully you have some good suggestions on to handle some of these things a little bit differently. And also hopefully you can relate to these questions. So let's jump right into it. Um, did you uh, shoot me the questions, JP? I did. JP is our correspondent with uh, teenagers. He's he's in tune with teenagers. In fact, he talks to them every day at school. Some you probably don't want to talk to, but you got to, you know, say hi to just because you grew up with him, right? Right. <laughs> just kidding. JP's a great kid. He would never diss someone publicly, at least not on purpose. You wouldn't hurt someone's feelings, right? Of course not. <laughs> okay, so let's get right into it. So first question we have here is why do parents use, okay, this is a good one, in quotes. Why do parents use, in quotes, I trust you, but not your friends or the influences and environment or whatever you're trying to do as an excuse to say no to something that they don't want you to do. So set this up. Give us an example of this type of scenario, JP. Uh, So let's say that you're trying to go to a party, but your parents aren't wanting you to go because let's say they They trust you. They trust you, but not your friends or or anything that's going on at the party. Well, first off, do, do you think teenagers buy that when they hear that from their parents? Like, I trust you, but no, no, they don't. They the teenager will take it as you're just lying and you don't trust me. Um, how often do you think this happens? Do you think this is a pretty common one? I mean, it came oh, up in this sure. question. I I think it's very common. Absolutely. Okay. Um, just off the top of your head, do you have any idea why why you think uh parents might do that? And you don't have to be. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Just right. what are some of because you said already like most. Te- Teenagers don't buy that. I think the parents possibly may be scared for what their teenager could potentially get into with something that could be at the party. Um, I think they don't exactly want to let their kid always do what the kid wants to do because they could be doing things that aren't what the parent wants them to be doing. Do you think sometimes... The parent just doesn't want them to flat out go, and they're, that's a nicer yeah. way to say yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't just want to say, no, you're not going. They'll use, oh, well, your friend Jimmy here, he, yeah, things like that. They won't they won't say no, but they'll use something to say no. And everyone's situation is different, so the parent may have some dirt on the teenager too. The teenager may have gotten to a party, gotten in trouble in the past, and the parent may be like, hey, I trust you now. I know you, I know you would never do those things again, but I don't want you to go. You know, from from my experience, I, I ask parents these questions because teenagers will come in and say, hey, you know, my parents are telling me I can't do this, can't do that. They say they trust me, but yet they don't show that they trust me. It definitely affects the relationship a lot. But coming from a parent, um, I'm not siding with the parents or anything. I'm just kind of telling you what I've learned from some parents is it's all those things that, that you just suspected, JP. Sometimes parents are like, oh, heck no, I don't want my kid to go to that party. There could be drugs, there could be alcohol. Or if there's not drugs and alcohol, just simply kids that the parents don't like. Or a big one is parents don't know what's going on there. And so if they don't know the people, if they don't know what's going on, the resistance is going to be pretty big because the unknown is very scary for most parents. Now, as a teenager, that doesn't really do 
a lot for the relationship. So what do you think happens or can happen in these situations if a parent is using that, hey, I trust you, but type of attitude to say no? Um, I think if, say, perhaps the kid, the parents don't let the kid go out, can't go to the party with his friends, the kid will be pretty upset because obviously they've asked to go out with their friends and now they're not able to. So now they're in their room alone and their thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. It's a, They're just thinking because it's just them. They're not with their friends. They're not doing exactly what they want to do. And those thoughts aren't going to be good thoughts. They're going to be, I'm mad at my mom. I'm mad at my dad. They said I can't go because of so-and-so, because of this and that. So they'll be very upset about you giving them an excuse to not go. Yeah, you know, and these these interactions can go bad really quickly because a lot of times a teenager doesn't give a parent a lot of um, notice. Like usually it might be like Friday night at 8. They're saying, hey, can I go here in 30 minutes? Parents sometimes, they need time to digest things. Usually teenagers will know ahead of time. Sometimes they just legitimately don't know. But that fear that your parents going to say no, it's like they got to build up the courage to ask them or they're just thinking my parent may say no. So I'm just going to kind of spring it on them like it was last minute, like, oh, or they may just lie because they feel like um, and that sounds like by your response, sounds like that was something that can happen. If a, if a teenager gets told no enough, they can you know, just make up a lie and say, hey, listen, I'm going to go to Cold Stone that just happens to be in someone's house. Yeah, for sure. I was just, I was thinking that exact thing. So the time that I've asked my, this isn't me, I, this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got this friend. I got, got this friend, friend that told me. Uh, this friend told me. Um, the parent has said no, and the kid now, like I said, was upset in his room all alone. He's thinking, next Friday night, how am I going to get out? So I know my parent doesn't like me hanging out with so-and-so, so what am I going to do? I'm hanging out with my other friend, but yet I'm going to go. And hang out with the friends that I know my parents would say no to. Because I know that they would say yes if I hang out with this person. But I know that they would say no. So now that you've used the parent has used the excuse of, oh, not this time because this person. Next time the kid, it's breaking the relationship. Because next time the kid is just going to go and lie and say, oh, I'm going here. Yet they're going a total different place. Well, usually lies beget lies. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. So... What I mean by that is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little suggestion, a little advice here, okay? Teenagers listen to this and parents creep and listen to this. This is for both of you, all right? You guys got to take some risk, but not the kind of risk that is intuitive. I mean, it's not like the type of risk that you want to take or it's going to come natural. So for teenagers, as soon as you know that there's something that you really want to do, it may feel like, you can't ask your parents too soon because they'll say no too soon. But you can come at your parents like this. So, for example, let's say on Monday, you know there's something on this coming Saturday that you want to do. If you think about it from Monday all the way to Friday and drop it on your parents, I'm telling you, every day that goes by that you know about this event and you're not bringing it up to your parents decreases the probability for your parents to get comfortable with it and for you to go. Plus, Parents are, are fearful that they're going to get manipulated by their kids. So they're always looking for these signs that their teenager may manipulate them. And if you drop a big bomb on them, that usually feels like a manipulation for a lot of different reasons. So here's what I suggest you do. If you know on Monday 
about Saturday. You go to your parents and say, hey, listen, there's something going on this Saturday that I really would like to go to. Um, I'm not sure if we have plans on Saturday, but I want to come to you as soon as possible because I know you don't like it when I just drop things on you last minute like I've done in the past. And I'm sorry about that, but I, I want to give you some time to you know, tell me if we got plans, if it's a possibility that we go. You don't have to tell me right now, but you know, I just want to bring this up to you. Now, if the parent says, well, what is it? Okay. At that point, sometimes the parent goes, oh, okay, well, you know, what is it? You can just kind of generalize it. Say, oh, well, there's, you know, a birthday party going on um, on Saturday, you know, for my friend. And if they say, oh, what friend is, oh, just this friend. But like I said, mom, dad, like, you don't have to answer it right now. Just, you know, just, I just want to let you know it's something that's coming up. So, you know, so just think about it. Walk away. This does a couple things that it may seem a little sneaky, but it's very effective in negotiation. You want to give your parents the control that they have to sit with the different feelings of how they want to respond to that. So let's say you bring up a parent, like let's say the kid you mentioned whose party it is, this kid doesn't necessarily have the best reputation. Your parents may be thinking, ooh, I don't know, is there drugs, there's alcohol, is, you know, is something going on there that uh, you may be influenced by. But let your parents go back and forth in their mind about that scenario and situation and work that out themselves. But I'm telling you, if you bring that to them ahead of time, and give them the respect and time to work that out, they're going to have a harder time just saying, no, you can't go. And it's not an emotional decision. So worst case scenario, when I say worst case scenario, this is the likely worst case scenario. If they say no, they feel bad that they said no because you're doing all the things they've told you to do. Give them forewarning. Be responsible. Approach them with uh, a request, not a demand. Because if you come last minute... Oh, I almost forgot, you know, tonight, later on tonight, so-and-so's party, I got to get them a present. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I got to be there by nine o'clock. And your parents like, wait, it's the first time we've heard of it. Well, I already told her I was going to be there. I have to help her with the dinner, the food. That pressure does not make parents feel like they have a choice to work with you. So give them forewarning, do all those responsible things up front, and then it increases your probability. And I'm telling you guys, this is no joke. I would not give this as a suggestion if it hadn't worked for a lot of other teenagers. So based off of just what I said right there, what do you think about that, JP? Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, I actually do have a good friend too. He's going through that exact thing of what we were saying. He um, has a friend who he likes to hang out with and his mom necessarily doesn't like that person, but he will wait till the last second to ask his mom. And when he's waiting till the last second, his mom will just shut down. Doesn't feel like she has the control. Doesn't feel like, She's the one that is guarding him, so she'll just say no. And like you said, that whole week he's just building up, building up, waiting to ask her because he just gets nervous to ask her because he knows that she'll say no, so he thinks waiting till the last second might be the best thing when, like you've talked about, if you give them that time and you let the parent have the control that they want to have, then it gives you the opportunity to hang out with who you want and do what you want. Oh, yeah. Most of the time when this happens, regardless of your relationship with your parent, it just increases probability. Most of the time when this happens, if the parent goes back and forth throughout the week, they'll feel like, okay, they'll go to their kids and say, listen, you know, I don't really like these people, but here's what, here's what happens first off. Your parents are looking for signs that you are a person that they can trust. A trustworthy person 
plans things. At least that's the way we view a trustworthy person. They're open. They're honest. They're upfront. And so if you've been any of those, if you've been the opposite of any of those things, not being open, not being honest, not being upfront, but now you are, it's not about the environment. Because when parents say, I trust you, I just don't trust these people, it's not a complete lie. There's actually some truth. What it is, is they want to trust you. They want to feel that you're a strong enough person that even if you are in those environments, you can still make good decisions. Parents aren't stupid. They know that you're going to be adult someday and they know that you're going to be on your own and have to make those decisions. The fear for them is that you're not an adult today. You're not necessarily, well, you haven't necessarily shown the ability to make adult decisions because you're not an adult yet. So it's almost like they want to give you the credit that they can trust you. They just need some sort of signs or, or, or signals that they can. By you doing that, it gives them signs and signals that they can. And they'll usually come back with some sort of negotiation. This is what I was getting to earlier. I've had a lot of parents do this. They say, okay, we'll let you go and give you an opportunity, but you got to do a couple things for us. When you get there, you have to you know, text us twice a night. Sometimes it seems like petty little things, like why would I have to text you twice a night? Just do it. If you do it the first time and you follow through with it, and don't tell me you forgot or your phone ran out of battery. Say, Siri, remind me to text my parents at 10 and at 11.30 to tell them I'm on my way home. As petty as it may sound, are you trying to just enjoy this party or do you want the freedom to maybe go to other hangouts, other opportunities? you got to think a little bit ahead. And teenagers don't usually think too far ahead because not your guys' fault, but there's a part of your brain that hasn't developed fully for long-term, huh, I probably shouldn't do this today because it affect me years from now. So I think that's sound advice from a lot of other teens I worked with. I really like your input on that, JP, because when it comes down to it, the problem is your parents are saying, I trust you. I just don't trust these people, these things. The solution is, okay, what do I got to do to get their trust? But if you go ask your parents, okay, what do I got to do to get your trust? They may be like, well, you know... I just really need you to be more honest with me and more open with me and communicate to me about your homework and all these other things. In your mind, you're like, what does that have to do with me going to this party right now? So instead, just do the things that people respect and trust, being up front and give them time to think about it. Right, and going off of what you said about um, the thing about texting twice a night, as little as it is, you text them, you, text, you go to a party Friday night, you text them at 10, 11.30, you go to a party Saturday night, you do the same exact thing. If you do that for a couple weekends in a row, what's going to happen is they see that you're working towards wanting their trust and wanting to go and hang out and do what you want to do with giving them the control and then gaining the trust. Absolutely. Very. Thanks for adding those points. Okay, so let's get to the next one now. Um, why do parents? <laughs> why do parents keep on nagging about things that you always take care of? Okay, give me an example of that one. Because I know this came from a specific person. So, and I know this person gave you, he's already smiling because the person gave him a story that he's like, oh, yeah, this is very common. So, <laughs> I'm going to go example. With, I'm going to go with grades on this one. Okay, all right. Grades example. I'm sure all you guys out there listening, teenagers are expected to go to this thing called school. All right, okay, continue. So, I think with grades, um, you're always, you always get them taken care of. By the end of the quarter. Oh, wait a second. Wait. Oh, you talking about yourself? You Because I know for a fact not all teenagers <laughs> get their grades taken care of okay. by the end of the Majority, quarter. Majority. A lot. 
Okay, so use a scenario. So I'm using a scenario. Okay, if you're a teenager that actually pulls it out, do you think it's very common that a lot of teenagers wait to last minute? And then it doesn't happen? Or they just wait to last minute and they pull a Hail Mary and they make it work because they're smart enough to do it. They just don't actually take the time to do it when they're supposed to. Okay, so what I was saying is if you can pull it out at the end, um, how it works is through the whole quarter, you're not really doing your thing. You're not really getting the best of grades. But yet the last week of the quarter, you go and get all your grades up. But that entire quarter of the the whole the the whole first eight weeks of that quarter, you're being nagged and nagged and nagged. Get your grades up. Get your grades up. Get your grades up. When every single quarter at the end, they've always been up. So you're talking about from a teenager who you've kind of proven a track record that maybe for the first four, five, six, seven weeks of the quarter, you don't have the best of grades. Parents start looking at, you know, I know here in Utah, they have a thing called Skyward. Other places, it may be called something different. It's basically the way parents and people can log on and look at the grades. But for some reason, at the end of the quarter, you're smart enough, you're capable enough, you buckle down, you do the work you have to do, you get the passing grades. Now, I can tell you why parents do that, okay? Parents are fearful that you're showing a pattern of putting things off to the last minute, and putting things off to the last minute, if you get in the habit of doing that, that's going to really affect you in the long term of your life. Speaking for most parents out there, most parents struggle with the same thing. That's why they nag you about it. Most parents are sitting there saying, I don't want them to be just like me. I've lost jobs because of that. I, you know, I, I, I got bad grades. Most parents are looking back at their life and they have those Uncle Rico moments. And if you haven't ever listened to Napoleon Dynamite, an Uncle Rico moment is a funny movie back in 2005. So a lot of you may not have listened. Hopefully you've seen Napoleon Dynamite, right? So Napoleon Dynamite, Uncle Rico, he has this part of the movie, spoiler alert, only came out like forever ago. Uh, he has this part, it's like, if, you know, if I would have started, been the started quarterback, we could have won state. And like he's living in this time warp of like, if I would have started, I, I could throw a football a mile, we would have been successful. Well, parents and adults in general Look back on their life like, if I would have done this, I could have went to a great college. If I would have done this, I would have had a great job. If I would have done this, you know, I'd have been married to someone besides your stupid dad. Just kidding out there. That was just a joke. See if you're listening. (laughs) People have regrets. Let's just put it that way. You know what you guys have as teenagers that adults don't have? Time. Yes, time. It's called youth. You're young. Young people can change bad habits and patterns in a blink of an eye. Ever hear that saying? It's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. Okay, your parents are the old dogs. (laughs) They are stuck in their same habit. Like, why do I keep on doing the same thing over and over again? They do not want you to be like them. So to help stop you from being like them, they see, gosh, if you get your stuff together earlier now, which by the way, this generation much Smarter, more intelligent, more access to new information. You have the capability, the genetic makeup, the resources from benefiting from your parents to be able to be better than them, smarter than them, more efficient than them. So it really scares them when you have all this opportunity and you just seem to be kind of letting it go and you know not taking it serious. Maybe like some of some of your parents did when they were younger at times of their life. So that's where the fear comes from. That's why parents do that. I mean, that's the main reason. But talk about it for a second, JP. How do you think that makes a teenager feel? What does that do to the relationship if you feel like your parents are nagging you for something that at the end of the day, and I always like to say this, this um, you've, you've heard this in football and sports, JP, 
But it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. I'm not saying that waiting to the last minutes to do your report, study for a test, I'm not saying that that's good. In fact, that's not smart, that's not good. But a lot of teenagers tell me at the end of the quarter, at the end of the semester, if their grades are passing or they meet the expectations, why are my parents so mad? I got it done. I just didn't do it the way they want to do it. What do you think that happened? What do you think it does in a relationship when the parents are constantly nagging their teenagers and the teenagers feel like they have a track record of proving that they will be successful? Just give them time. Um, I believe it closes doors of the relationship because that's that's something that will get on the teenager's nerves. You're like, I already know I'm going to take care of it. I know I'm going to do it. I know it's going to work out in the end. And it's ruining the relationship because you keep on nagging and nagging and nagging. And then at the end, they got it taken care of. But that relationship is not necessarily totally ruined, but it's not what it used to be because the the teen had taken all those times of you getting mad, you getting mad, you getting mad. But they still got it in the end. So I feel like the teenager is seeing it as it gets the teenager really frustrated because they want to show their parents that they can do it. And at the end they do, but the last eight weeks, the parent has been nagging and nagging and nagging. So it's not the one time that at the end of the quarter, your parents said, good job. That's not the one. That's not what they'll remember. They'll remember the 95 times during the quarter that you said, get your grades up, get your grades up, get your, why are your grades terrible? Do you think parents ever tell their kids, um, why don't you ever come hang out with the family? Why don't you ever talk? Every time I try to have a conversation with you, you just shut down and you don't communicate. Do you think that ever happens? Yeah, because they'll bring up grades or... That was my point. Yeah. How much of what we're talking about, how much how much motivation do you think it gives a typical teenager to want to just have open conversations with their parents if they're fearful that at any moment the parents could nag them about the grades or bring up things like grades? That they won't don't want to talk about, right? So it makes the teen have a fear that my parent is going to bring this up and I don't want to talk about that. So I'm not going to be around them. So the opportunity isn't even there for them to bring it up. So I'm just going to go up to my room, put my headphones in, watch a movie. I'm going to go down, play video games. I'm going to be as far away from them as possible because I don't even want them to have the opportunity to be able to bring up your grades or bring up something that they want to nag you about. You can't get trapped in a conversation that you're not having. Right. Good point. Good point. So a little suggestion, a little advice. Parents, Give your kids some time. If you want to be feel like you're being a good parent and say something, say something like this. Hey, listen, I saw your grades. You know, be candid, be honest. I saw your grades. I know they're a little bit low right now. I'm trusting that you know what you have to do. And if you don't know what you have to do, you'll be on it and you'll figure it out. Now, a little time out there. Most parents, when I tell them this, they say, well, they don't. Or what if they don't fall through? What if they don't do these things? Just remind them that they know what the expectations is, or that the what the expectations are. Gosh, horrible English. Um, but it's a teen podcast, so who cares? <laughs> what the expectations is. I <laughs> just own that. Um, and just tell them, you know what's expected. I'm going to leave this up to you because I know you wouldn't risk the car, your cell phone, or all those freedoms you like by getting bad grades. So please continue and walk away. <laughs> what do you think would be more in, like, what do you think would influence you more? A parent saying something like that or nagging you two, three times a week about doing your grades or doing doing something kind of, I, I consider that a little gangster, like a little parent saying, hey, you know what you got to do? Because you would never want to, like, lose your car or your cell phone and just walk away. Right. I totally agree with that. 
because the parent saying, you know, I trust you that you're going to get your grades up makes me, it gives me uh, more of a motivation to go and work on them, go get missing assignments from my teachers. But them saying, and aren't they kind of reminding you at the same time? Right, right. Without actually saying, don't you, shouldn't you be doing homework? Yeah. They're almost like doing like that Jedi, like, I know you know you should be doing homework, so I don't have to say anything at all. Right. So it's like if they say, you know what, your grades aren't too great right now, but I trust that the quarter's coming to a close and I trust that you'll be able to take care of them and get them all up. So I feel like if they give you that trust, if they tell you they, they're giving you that trust, that gives you the motivation to get things done. But them getting mad at you, getting upset at you, taking your phone, taking your car, taking things away that you enjoy having, that just gets the teen more upset at the parent and further ruins the relationship. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. Which teenager in that scenario, the, the parent that nags a teenager or the parent that just says like, hey, I know you got this. I know you take care of it because, you know, you don't want to screw up what you got going on. In what scenario do you think at the end of the quarter, let's say the teenagers don't pass the grades. Let's say they bomb. They didn't pull it out. They got too far behind because sometimes you can just get too far behind. You can't make it up. In what scenario do you think a teenager would hold themselves accountable and and just say, hey, you know, that's on me. It's my fault. I'll take the consequences because I didn't do my part. Which one of those two do you think the teenagers would be more accountable? The the situation where the parents were nagging them weekly or the situation where the parent just kind of simply was making statements that it, they know that they're going to take care of it and gave them that trust. Like, I know you'll figure it out. I know you'll figure it out. I'm going to say the trust. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> because they they know that you, that you that you had told them, I trust that you will do it. So they now they're feeling insecure because they didn't get it taken care of when you gave them that trust. But say the parents nagging, 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 and the grades don't get up at the end of the quarter, hide and shy away because they know that you nagged them about it and they didn't get it taken care of. You know, I've heard so many times the teenagers say, if my parents didn't bug me so much about it, they were stressing me out so much. I was so stressed out, I didn't have the energy to go do it. I was too busy being angry and frustrated with them. I think human beings have this natural resistance from people trying to tell them what to do too much. Now, granted, we need to be told what to do. School, work, at home. That's just part of life. People got to tell you what to do. But there's a level where someone can just push you, push your buttons, nag at you too much, where then we have this natural resistance where it's like, well, screw you. I don't care if I get an F. I'd rather get an F than be punked by you and be told what to do. And then you get the F. You're like, oh, dang. Now I'm the one getting in trouble but I'm trying to blame it on my parents. And that's a tough sell. A lot of parents be like, hey, I was trying to tell you. And you're thinking, no, you were nagging me. So definitely going to affect the relationship. Definitely is not going to help the teenager be more accountable. I agree with you. From my experience, teenagers that their parents gave them the trust up front, like they just kind of gave it to them. It's hard for the teenager to blame it on the parents. Yeah. And I think with the nagging, uh, you're getting it and getting it and getting it again. So what you're not thinking you're not even thinking about homework at that point you're thinking about how to get mad at your parent because you're upset at them that they keep on telling you and telling you so you're spending your energy your time your thoughts on what your parent has said to you and not necessarily your actual homework true that true that all right let's get to another question uh next one is why do parents freak out about bedroom cleanliness ooh any ideas? Why do you think parents freak out about not having bedrooms clean? Couldn't tell you. 
<laughs> Your bedroom's perfectly clean all the time, right? Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I can tell you why parents usually freak out about that. A lot of different reasons. One has to do with they work really hard. People see you not taking care of things. And usually a teenager is like, hey, this is my space. Except the problem is, is unless you're a teenage pro athlete or something, you didn't pay for that space. So if you were to loan, let's say, um, your car to one of your buddies for the day, say, hey, my car broke down, need, you know, need your car. You wash and clean your car, got it all dialed in, give them the car for a day. Wasn't a rainy day, wasn't a bad weather day. You get it back. There's McDonald's fries on the floor. It it just looks horrible. It looks like someone used it for three weeks. It's all dirty. Gas tank's empty and just hand it back to you. Would you feel respected by that? Would you feel like that person appreciated what you did for them? No, and now that you bring a point like that that will make sense in a teenager's mind, it makes sense about a clean room. Because before you're like, yeah, it's my, it's like, it's my room, it's my bathroom. Why do I like? You're not, you. I can close the doors. You don't need to come by. But once you make it something that is ours and we're loaning out, it makes sense that they're paying the bills. They're the ones that it's their house and they're letting you use the things that they're going to work to pay for. Yeah, it's a weird respect thing because you've just had your room. Can you remember a time where you didn't have a room, whether you shared it with someone or not shared it with someone? Remember a time where you didn't have a room? No. <laughs> right? Yeah. You've just always had it. So things that we just kind of always have. When I talk to um, some young people, I'll have them pull out their cell phone. And I'll be like, pull up your cell phone. Okay. They'll go, okay. i say, uh, get on Instagram. they go, okay. I said, how long did it take you to, to pull out your cell phone, open your cell phone, Click on Instagram and start scrolling through the feeds. You know, a slow teenager be like two and a half seconds. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, do you know what it took? How much time it took to make that cell phone and Instagram work? And usually I get kind of weird looks like, what do you mean? I mean, like how many hours did people have to go to work, continue to go to work, customer support for, let's say you have an Apple phone, customer support for your Apple phone making sure that there's the update so that the bugs don't bog down the phone and how many people have to get up, take a shower, get breakfast, go to Instagram, wherever they work at Instagram, have their meetings to make sure that platform works so you can have that access to that in two and a half seconds. And like days, weeks, years, I said, exactly. Do you ever think about what goes in to making something that's just so readily and easily available work for you? So no. So just because it's always there. Well, much like our parents, well, much like our room, a lot of times it's just there, so we don't really think about what had to go into it. If your parents had to go to school, they had to go to years of school to be able to get a degree and to get that job and then to go through the education process of, of training to get that job or the training to do a good job to make the money to come home to purchase the house to to put down the money for the rent the first and last months whatever it has so much went into that whole entire process but when parents say it they just say clean your room do this pick up your stuff they're so frustrated because all you're getting is you're getting the end result of them feeling they've done all this for years and you're just crapping on it you don't take it for you take it for granted. You don't appreciate it one bit. Now, I'll give some advice for parents because 
if you explain it more like this, it does register a little bit better, like with the whole entire car analogy. Because name a teenager hasn't loaned something to someone, the person didn't jack it up. You're like, dude, that's messed up. Like, I didn't give that to you to like rip my sweater, you know, rip my shirt. And it's easy to get frustrated in that situation. So parents are naturally more frustrated. Teenagers are saying, what's the big deal? So parents, this one really goes out to you. Explain to your kids. Say, listen, I apologize. Now, a little quick, most parents might tell them this, like, why would I apologize to my kid for him having a messy room or her having a messy room? So no, apologize to freaking out. Because that was the question. Why do parents freak out about it? Apologize to them to freaking out with them that you need, that you haven't done a good enough job to explain to them where your emotions are coming from. Say, from now on, I'm going to work on not walking by your room and just, just, just saying, why is this? Why is that? I'm just going to say, hey, listen. Remember that talk we had? It just really mean a lot to me if you cleaned up this. You know, strike a bargain, strike a deal. If you do this for me, I tell you what, it would just it would just make my day happier. And you know, everybody'd be happier if, if if I'm not in a bad mood. Talk to them like a person, just like a friend, say, Hey, I'll let you borrow my car again. It just really mean a lot to me. Next time you put gas in it, you know, next time you clean it a little bit. A lot of times people do things and they're not thinking about what they're doing. They don't mean to do it. Parents take it as huge disrespect. Teenagers get pissed off saying, why do my parents freak out about it? There's just bad. There's not effective communication about these things. Something so simple like room cleaning and cleanliness can turn into a day-to-day battle throughout the entire time to the point where now parents want to kick their kids out. Teenagers want to move out. They don't have the money to move out. And parents are scared that they can't make it on their own. So they just stay stuck together for longer periods of time than ever in the history of the world. Teenagers are staying, living longer with the parents. Not saying it's a bad thing, but it can be a frustrating thing when you feel like you're trapped in this relationship and simple things like room cleanliness is causing this huge division. Right. I feel like if someone would come to me with something and they're already angry about it, I feel like I'm a lot less likely to actually do what they're saying than if they were to come to me and explain to me like the car or explain to me uh, something like the car, explain to me what's what's the problem and here's how we're going to fix it. Not coming in and saying, are you kidding me? Why is your room dirty? Again, I told you yesterday. I'm a lot less likely to go and clean my bedroom if someone came at me in anger. If they came to me and said, look, you know, I've told you before, your car, your your room is dirty. I'm not really liking how you're treating your room that we have let you live in here. And explain the car situation to them. Say, look, you're the one who has a car. You're the one who has a phone. That if, you, if you're going to loan it to somebody, you want it to come back nice as it is or even better than it was before. So I feel like coming to the teen with a better approach of, coming in with not being angry and I know it's hard to not be angry because I know you just had a long day at work you're already pissed off you're you're taking your anger from your coworker out on your kids because they're the only ones at the house so what I'm trying to say is if you come at them with a better approach they're more likely to actually do what you're saying I everybody sees this happen you made a great point there JP I actually call this the f me f you so what that means is it happens. I can't count how many times it's happened to me when I'm driving. Someone obviously makes a mistake, cuts me off, does something where it, they're totally in the wrong. And my reaction is like, what the? Like, I'm looking at them like with this look like, be stupid. I'm like, my hands kind of go up. 
And then they flip me off. And then I go, wait, 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 wait a second. You almost hit me. You almost run me off the road. You ran a red light. And my reaction of like, what are you doing? Now you're flipping me off. I'm like, shouldn't I be flipping you off? If anyone's going to be flipped, I should be flipping you off. So why would someone, and this I've always thought about this, why would someone flip off someone when they're the one that was wrong? Because it's the psychology of F me, F you. If you're thinking someone's effing pissed at you, then you're like, just F you. It doesn't make sense, but that just shows how human beings react to things. We are quick to react to someone's anger towards us. And you just described that perfectly, just, you know, without the F-bombs. So. <laughs> We're trying to keep it so we don't get the big E on iTunes. So I'm trying to, you know, not cuss simply because, you know, we, we want to keep this uh, supposedly a PG-13 show. But on PG-13 movies, you're allowed to drop two F-bombs, right? So I think, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so anyway, so let's go to our last question here. Uh, last question is, why is it that when you're doing what you're supposed to do, your parent your parents find a way to criticize or mention things you should do? That's an interesting one. G- give us an example of this one, JP. Um, for this one, I feel like you've had a, a solid day. You know, you've done everything you've needed to do. You your room's clean. You're you come you come home great day, and there's something that. You've done everything that your parents, your grades are up, your everything's re- everything's perfect, and there's something that they have to say about about you doing. They better. find something else. They to find criticize. something else to criticize you. They, they were getting you about your grades, but now the grades are up, so they can't get you about that. So oh, we're finding something else. You know, this reminds me of. Um, gosh, I can't. Usually, I like to quote like where I heard something or where I read something. I read a study a while ago. I, I'm a counselor, therapist, so I get all these emails about new studies, new research, but I can't remember where I read it, but it said that the results of the studies that they found out it was a criticism study. And they're trying to figure out what criticism is the hardest for people. And what they determine is that when you criticize someone when they make a mistake, people obviously don't like to be criticized at all. But when someone made a mistake, there was a certain sense of it was valid for them to be criticized. People are like, ah, they didn't like it when someone kicked them while they're down, so to speak, and, and they didn't like that, but they knew that they made a mistake. Like if, if you lost the game, you know, as a football player because you dropped the game when you pass, and your coach is like, dang it, JP, why'd you drop the pass? You'd be mad and hate that he said that, but it was obvious that you made a mistake and you lost the game because of that. But what they found out in the results that the most demeaning, the most shameful time to criticize someone was when they were actually making progress. And when it doesn't necessarily have to be progress about the situation you're talking about. So just like what you said, you got your grades up, you're feeling confident, you did your chores, stuff like that. And you just want to lay down and relax for a little bit. And your parent comes in and for some reason, they look at your relaxing as something's wrong. And then they criticize, well, hey, um, you know, did you ever call back that one person? Uh, so you're going to go out there and look for a job. And you're sitting there just trying to kick it. You're trying to give yourself an attaboy thinking, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm balling. I'm doing a good job right now. And they start criticizing when you're feeling good. Turns out in that study, they said that's actually more harmful and more hurtful to someone is when they're doing good and they get criticized at that particular moment. What do you think about that? You think there might be a truth to that? Yeah, absolutely. I do agree with that, that when you feel like you're progressing towards something and then... They're doing everything that they're saying, and then they find something else. Once you're on your uphill, 
or something to whack you all the way back down. You want to know why parents do that? Because there was a question, right? Want me to answer the question? Okay. Let's hear it. Big main reason why? Imagine, all right? You got siblings, right? I know yeah. you're the youngest, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you're not the youngest sibling. Let's say you're an older sibling. If you're out there listening. Let's say mom and dad are like, we all got to clean up. We all got to work really hard to get ready for uh, a family gathering. So because you're the older one, mom's like, hey, I want you to clean this, do that. So you get more chores when you're the oldest one. And the younger one's like, all you have to do is clean up your toys, make your bed or something like that. So you're sitting there working hard, doing like five different things. And you're looking over at your little sibling and all they're doing is playing with video games. They're really not doing much at all. And as you're sitting there working, you look over them and you start brooding. You start like, punk, like, get away with murder. Like, they're so spoiled. They're such brats. And in your mind, you just start seeing how your situation is so challenging. It's such a struggle. It's so, so hard. But they got the good life. They're just cruising. They don't have to work hard. And older siblings know what I'm talking about. They get really frustrated with younger siblings thinking that they had it way easier than they had it growing up. And there might be a lot of truth to that. Point is, your parents are the older sibling and they feel like they're young teenagers, the one lounging around, their dirty clothes are on the floor (laughs) in their bedroom, all the stuff we just talked about and that, you know... The teenagers sitting there thinking, oh, they're they're doing great because they got a C in, in math. They're really doing amazing. For some reason, parents take a lot of offense to teenagers just chilling, just hanging out, and not doing much. They feel it's not fair. And you don't have to answer this right now, but how often do you think people get angry when they look at their struggle and look at other people having it easier and they think it's not fair? That infuriates people. It infuriates them. Now, it's not realistic because obviously it's not fair. Parents have to go to work and have to do other stuff that are more challenging. Point is, in this situation, that feeling like things aren't fair and feeling like you don't want your kid to get cocky, you feel like they're being lazy, you can see the moment when your kid's doing well as an opportunity where now they're in a good mood, I can talk to them and it'd be a great time to bring up other things that need to work on because I don't want them to get cocky that they're doing good, that they can coast now. So now I'm going to poke at some things that they might not have thought about and tell it to them now. First off, you don't have to have me quote you the studies. Er, wrong time to do it. What you need to do, parents, is you need to tell your teenagers, acknowledge what they did. Hey, you know, it sounds like you're in a good mood. You know, feeling pretty happy you did these things. Great. I'm happy for you too. Take some time off, relax, and enjoy yourself. Okay, a little time out here. After a parent, your parents, when you get off work, when you have a hard day, and you feel like you've earned something, you enjoy it. Relax, chill. Just because you've seen your teenagers chill more than you, then you get to chill on a day-to-day basis. Some parents say, my, my kid chills more in one day than I chill in a month. Okay, well, your kid doesn't also have to pay a mortgage. Your kid didn't have stressful parents that raised them, that pushed them to the to, to these serious, intense things. I mean, I'm speaking to most teenagers' parents out there. We'll talk about how their lives were so much harder and their parents were so much more difficult. My point is, acknowledge that they're chilling, 
give them some attaboys or attagirls. Say, hey, you know, I'm proud of you to do this. Um, I know now is not the time to mention all these other things, so I'll keep it on the back burner. I trust, just like talking about the school thing, I trust that after you relax and you get comfortable, you'll get back to all the other things you have to get done. Walk away from it. Now, that's what you do at that particular time, parents. Later on, if they ch keep on chilling up long, chilling good, chilling permanently, not so good. Then you can say, hey, listen, I gave you time to chill, gave you time to relax. Now it's time to get back to work. Now it's time to get back on the horse. After a quarter, it could be the weekend, the next week. Let people have their moment without trying to criticize them or pick at them when they're trying to enjoy their moment. Okay? What do you think about that suggestion? I just had a thought come to my mind. Um, I was just thinking, maybe the parent sees a lot of things of themselves in their kids, and they're thinking back of something in their time where they just started coasting for a while, and they don't want you. That doesn't want, they don't want that happen to you. That maybe is a definitely. And we referred to that in one of our other questions, but why that come to your mind? I just feel like the parent has seen what they've done in their life and they want their kids to be bigger and better than them. So they knew that they started coasting at that time and now they have this job and they're doing that. But they say, oh, if I can push them a little bit more, they can be a little bit bigger, a little bit better. Find me a parent that says, I want my kid to be just like me at that exact same age. I want my kid, well, I, I'm, okay, I should say this. I want my kid to be just like me. Usually parents say, I want my kids to be better than me. So what that means is they see that you have greater potential than they ever had. You have greater opportunities. You're, you're smarter. You're more intelligent. And people don't like to see people waste their talent. Your parents don't want you to, to miss opportunities. They don't want you to be sad. Your parents your whole entire life have seen you make choices. And I'm speaking to all you listeners out there. Your parents have seen you made choices. The choices didn't work out for you. It turns out that it wasn't a good choice. They've seen you cry when you're a little kid. They've seen you get heartbroken. They've seen you have regrets. And they are watching your regrets and your failures or sometimes just poor choices. And they're feeling your pain as if it's happening to them. It is a trip for parents. They can't stop thinking about how do I stop my kid from having discomfort? How do I stop them from having pain? Well, all you parents out there, it's not your job to stop them from having discomfort or having pain. It's your job to help support them so that they can figure out how to minimize their own pain and their own discomfort. I kind of that I I just had a thought about kind of how coaches will be the ones to get angry at the kids, and then your other teammates are the ones saying, "Hey, man, like you're good. You you got this. Get a next play." So you kind of got to be the the kids' teammate. You got to be there to help them and support them. But at the same time, yes, you can be their coach and get mad at them, tell them what to do because that's you being the parent. But if you want to strengthen and gain the relationship that you would like to have, you need to be their teammate to be able to be there for them and help them. Well, I, well said because I think the best coaches are partners with the players. Absolutely. They, they, it's like, yeah, they're the older person. They've been there, done that. But they don't take that approach of, I'm going to make you feel like crap to motivate you. Right. I'm going to scream at you and yell at you so you'll do that. That makes me not want to do it. That goes back to what we were talking about, not the yelling. It's you saying, you know what? We're here. I'm helping you. You can help me. Since since I was here for you in this, can you do me, this for me right now? And all you teenagers listen to this, you guys aren't bad. You want to make your parents happy. You want to please them. And for all you parents listening, your teenagers aren't rebellious. They're not sitting here saying, oh, how can I make my my parents' life horrible. It may feel like that, but that's not the case. 
your parents, I mean, your teenagers want to make you proud. They want to make you happy. But like JP was saying, you need to take that really healthy coach partnership approach where you come at them saying, hey, I know you've made a mistake. I know you've made some mistakes in the past. I haven't trusted you. I want to trust you again in the future. Enjoy what you're doing right now. You've worked hard. You've deserved it. Now let's keep on working. You know, I think those are great responses, JP. Thank you for going out there and getting those questions for us. Thank you for giving us so we can answer them on the Still Tripping Podcast. I want to remind everybody that this week's contest is why do parents and then finish that sentence. So something that you're just wondering, it's like, why do parents like that emoji? Like you're thinking, like, why do they do this? Why do they freak out? Why do they get so pissed off? Why do they hold grudges? Send us in those, uh, those questions, either in the DMs or you can send them in uh, um, just in the comments after we post this episode and we'll answer them next week on the Quit Trippin' Podcast. On the Still Trippin' Podcast. I keep on saying Quit Trippin' because we do the Quit Trippin' support groups all the time. But uh, yeah, we'll answer those on the Still Trippin' Podcast and you can win a pair of partially used, I'm just kidding, <laughs> brand new stance socks. Partially, JP, he's, he's fairly clean. He'll only wear the left or the right. You got to figure out which one stinks, and then we'll repack them for it. Could you imagine trying to re-gift a pair of socks? That would be That'd the be worst terrible. things to re-gift, especially if you already wore them. You'd have to like iron them to make them look like perfect <laughs> again. Don't worry, guys. We will not give you used socks. You'll notice no one's popped the tag on them. They're fresh, brand new stance socks. And we're going to give them out to two lucky uh, people who send in those why do parents dot, 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 finish that question, and we will send them out to you. And for all those people who have already gotten sand socks from us, feel free to post and to tag stance socks. We actually do give our listeners the socks. This isn't one of those fake contests that make you fill out a questionnaire, do some weird stuff, and make you pay for shipping and handling. No, we hook you up. Okay? So thanks for listening to Still Tripping Podcast. Thanks, my guest, JP. And until next time, we out.